0: welcome to the new day community church sermon podcast we hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols road campus oh man i'm i'm just so excited I'm, i've been chomping at the vent for this particular sunday morning um we're kicking off a new series this january uh last um uh, last month we talked about how jesus is the word how jesus is the expression of god the father and if we see jesus we see the father um and today we're talking about the Word of God. Uh, we're calling this series Approved, and that comes from 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. How, how do you present yourself approved? You rightly divide the Word of truth. I see four things in this um, particular Uh, verse here. Be diligent. Do your best. Work hard. Christianity is not a, you know, you don't have to work at all ever, right? (laughs) We talk a lot about rest, um, but there's also work involved. Present yourself approved to God. He's going to be the ultimate judge of our preparedness. Um, He's the one that will ultimately approve or disapprove. Um, We're not impressing men. That's a good thing. We're not doing this to show off. We're not, you know, reading our Bibles and quoting things just to, you know, make ourselves look good. We're presenting ourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. So if we lived our entire lives neglecting the pursuit of God, that would be something to be ashamed of, right? But if we pursue, if we diligently study the word of truth, we won't need to be ashamed. And then rightly dividing the word of truth. And I think this means that there's a wrong way to, div- to divide the word of truth, right? And it's important that we study to know, to know the difference. Um, thankfully, the Holy Spirit's here to help us. Um, so uh, let's pray right now. God, as we open up your word, we ask that you would help us to understand it correctly. God, that uh, you would seal your truth in our heart, God. That this not This wouldn't just be head knowledge, God, but that this would be truth that abides in us, God. That we're that we're able to stand on and live from. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, people have said, "Uh, I'm I'm not supposed to be a I'm, I'm not supposed to be a theologian. I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna have my relationship with God. I don't need to you know, I don't need to study the Word of God." I can just, um, I can just, it's just me and Jesus, you know? We, we don't need to get all that theology um, involved. Um, let me tell you, studying the Bible means getting to know the character and the nature of God. Like, that's why we get to know it. It's one of the primary ways that Christians partake in the eternal life that Jesus promised us. Eternal life is knowing God. It's knowing Jesus Christ. That's what eternal life is, John 17 says. Um, And it's a pursuit that we all need to undertake. Um, And you say, you know, faith in God is all that I need. Let me tell you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to increase your faith, it means we need to open up the word of God, read what it says, understand by the Holy Spirit what's intended, and then by faith, believe it. And that faith comes as a gift from the Holy Spirit. Um, so today the focus is going to be our approach, our approach to scripture. How do we look at this book? Um, how do we see, uh, scripture in a right context? And I loved what Pastor Cameron talked about last week of how we know this thing is true and accurate and right. Um, and, uh, I think that's like the perfect jumping off point for, um, for what I'm going to talk about today, which should be our attitude towards the scripture. Um, some people will look at scripture as just a collection of writings and stories um, from history, from the generations. They'll try to keep the Bible in the realm of Aesop's fables, you know, where it's um, uh, a lot of wisdom and and things that we can kind of sprinkle into our lives to make it incrementally better, right? Um, and, and you approach a book of fables differently than you approach a book of history, right? Something that didn't happen and something that actually happened, right? When we look at the story of the tortoise and the hare, like, we approach that differently, right? We don't actually think that there was a hare talking rabbit that had a foot race with a turtle. Like, we look, look at that differently, you know? Um, So I think the the way that we should view Scripture should be derived in the way that Jesus viewed Scripture. So we're going to take a look at how Jesus looked at this book. Um, If we believe the 40 biblical authors that wrote in 13 different countries on three continents, if we believe what they said about Jesus, that he's Emmanuel, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior of the world, that he's um, God in man. Um, then my hope is that today, by looking at what Jesus says about Scripture, we'll get an idea about how to properly um, what the proper attitude should be towards this book, um, and then maybe our maybe that can shift uh, shift the way we live our lives. Should be awesome how does Jesus view the scriptures? Number one, Jesus believed that the scriptures were divinely authoritative and the last word in settling disputes. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 22, as he's talking to somebody uh, about uh, a dispute on the resurrection, have you not read that which was spoken to you by God? Like pretty simple statement, like God spoke something to you, and it's something that you have access to, <laughs> and you should have read it. <laughs> you should have understood it. Um, I think that's just such a simple, simple question. Um, Jesus makes it very clear that the scriptures are the word of God, um, and it's the, it was his primary tool when instructing and when cor- correcting um, correcting other people. And he continually uses the phrase, "It is written." It is written not just written in general, but written by God in the scriptures. God said it and that's it, that's the end of the debate. 10% of all the things Jesus says in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Old Testament quotes or allusions. So uh, the teachings of Jesus, we have about 1800 of them and over 180 of them are straight from the Old Testament. He's just reiterating what God said and explaining it to to the people that were around. Um, Jesus fully believed and supported the scriptures as the word of God. Words to be heard and heeded and obeyed. Number two, Jesus believed the scripture was a necessity. Um, We have a story where Jesus was tempted to break a fast in the wilderness Um, and he answers with this quote from the Old Testament. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? Jesus is saying, I don't need to eat right now. The word of God is enough for me. The word of God is enough for me. Whatever whatever need that you that you put to food (laughs) or to water or whatever, the the word of God is in that same category of necessities for living, at least according to Jesus. Right, and that's the attitude we've gotta have. Number three, Jesus believed that there was a right and a wrong way to interpret the Bible. All interpretations were not equally valid. Um, And there's a lot of pushback right now in our culture, in our day, on the idea of objective truth. Um, object, objective truth has become an offensive thing to say to a world who believes that there's no hope and that there's no God and that there's no purpose and that meaning can only be derived by inventing for ourselves useless, or useful lies that will allow us to get through this horrible thing called life. If you don't have hope, if you don't have meaning, then inventing something is the only, you know, your only path forward for for making it through, right? And people will say, who are you to say that so-and-so's wrong, right? What he believes is getting him through the day and providing meaning for his life. Jesus' opinion on truth was that there was objective truth. And that anyone who fell short of believing that truth was deceived and was wrong. That he believed that truth couldn't be fabricated or invented by an individual, but was only found by asking, by seeking, and by knocking. Matthew 22, you are wrong. Because you know, neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Jesus was not afraid to, to push back against against ideas that were wrong. He, he said, Jesus, you can't say that. The Pharisees found a way to interpret the Bible that gave their lives meaning. You know? No, he was always correcting the Pharisees' understanding of the Bible. Right? And he repeatedly said, Hey, this is an area where you're wrong. You need to correct that interpretation right? It wasn't a hopeless thing. It wasn't like a, hey, you're wrong and you're always going to be wrong. It was, here's the truth. It, It is written and this is what it means, right? It always going towards the truth, towards hope. John 8, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Like Jesus is claiming here to be the ultimate dispenser of the truth. Like that's what he's saying. I will give you the truth, the most important truth. The truth that's above all other ideas and philosophies. John 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. This is a prayer that Jesus prays over his disciples. Your word is truth. The the text of scripture is authoritative over us, not the other way around. So we're not authoritative over Scripture. Scripture is the authority, and it's up to us to dig out what the meaning is by the help and grace of the Holy Spirit. Um, All right, number four. Jesus believed that the Old Testament was highly relevant to today and indestructible. Jesus is teaching about the Old Testament in John ten, and he utters this phrase in the middle of a whole bunch of other um, arguments. Scripture cannot be broken. It's it's not moved by culture. It's not you can't elevate certain parts and and move away other parts that you wanna you wanna lessen. Scripture is one thing, <laughs> and it. there's not parts that are more inspired and less inspired, right? It is the word of God. He says in Matthew 5, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Right? If we try to pick and choose what scriptures we want to listen to, Um, and what we want to ignore. Like, we're not following the attitude of Christ, right? That's a different philosophy from Christ's philosophy, which is read the whole thing, which is one of the reasons I'm so excited we're going through the whole Bible this year. And we're going to read some things that's going to make us feel super uncomfortable, right? I would encourage you, lean in, listen, study, right? Because there's truth to be had, there's treasure here, right? Don't just listen to the 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 verses that we always go to, <laughs> that we always we all have highlighted, right? <laughs> let's let's read the whole thing and ingest the whole thing, right? We're not listening to this listening to this on three times speed, right? We're gonna, we're gonna get it. <laughs> um, I know the options there in Audible. Don't don't do it. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, we just have a sliver of the teachings of Jesus um, in his three-year ministry. We have uh, 1,800 verses. Um, But just in our red letters, um, Jesus quotes 24 books of the Old Testament. 24 different books of the Old Testament, right? Jesus lived and taught under the premise that the Old Testament um, was authoritative and decisive. Like that was his... That was his mindset. Um, And I I should say, while we're on this topic, there is a tendency or a a push maybe to dismiss Old Testament miracles as fantastical and impossible, as if that wasn't the very definition of a miracle, something fantastical and impossible. Um, But let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you gotta believe in miracles. You have to believe in miracles. There's no way to be a Christian and to deny that God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, we read it yesterday if you're on the Bible plan, right? You have to believe. And, and, and we can disagree on exactly what that looked like, but we have to come together on the fact that God created the heavens and the earth, and that was miraculous. You can't be a Christian and not believe that Jesus was... Miraculously conceived, lived a life of miraculous works and miracles, right? Died and then came back to life and is currently alive today. That's what we said in the creed. This is like bare minimum Christianity here. This is mere Christianity, as C.S. Lewis would call it, right? You have to believe these things. Um, There's no way to separate the Old Testament miracles that Jesus affirms in his teachings from the teachings of Jesus himself, because he affirmed the Old Testament miracles while performing miracles himself, right? You can't cut miracles out of the Bible. It doesn't work. And Paul says that if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we of all people are to be pitied. Right? Christianity is built on the fact that we have a risen Savior and he's alive today and he's coming again. Like, that's what we believe. All right. Jesus believed that the New Testament was authoritative and spirit inspired. What? It's true. And this is wild. I love this. John 16, he's talking to his disciples. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Oh man, right? That sounds like Revelation and James and Corinthians and Ephesians and all those things, right? Jesus says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine, the truth, right? Right? and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is promising the New Testament. Jesus is promising the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and saying, I wasn't done speaking to you. It's not just the Old Testament scriptures and it's not just the words that I'm saying now, but the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. It's so good, I'm so excited. Jesus puts his stamp of approval on on his apostles here in Matthew 10. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. All right, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is why we're going through scripture this year. This is why this is the thing that we build our whole lives on so that we can be complete, equipped for every good work. Whew. So the question is, are we ready to study? Are we ready to say yes to whatever the Lord has for us this year in this book? Are we ready church? Can I get an answer? OK, cool. Let's start right now. Let's learn some things about the book about the Word of God. There are seven <clears throat> biblical genres. Everybody know what a genre is? It's this, like sections at a library. Um, there are, there's history. There's poetry. There are books of wisdom, books of prophecy, books of apocalypse, biography and letters. And if you need to remember all that, you can just remember this handy-dandy acronym, Hippol thank you. I'll never forget. I'll just leave it up there for a second so you can take it down. No. Um, there are books of history, right? These are the books of history that we have. Most of them are Old Testament. Um, the only New Testament one we have is Acts, which is the history of the church. Um, These books contain interactions of God's first accounts with mankind. Um, We have an account of how God made the world. Um, The first five books of the Bible are called the books of the law or the books of Moses. Um, It's the story of the nation of Israel. Um, It outlines the first covenant, right? If you want to get to know the Lord um, and, and how he interacts with people, like this is a great place to be. There are books of poetry, and there's not as many books of poetry as there are books of history. Psalms and Song of Solomon. But in these two books, there are 158 chapters of poetry in your Bible. Um, Most of them are in the forms of songs that are sung in worship today. Today we sang one from Psalms 1. Um, Poetry is just as divinely inspired, this poetry, um, as the rest of scripture. And it gives us insight into what sort of relationship God wants to have with us. If you want to have a deeper prayer life, if you want to worship the Lord rightly for who he is, right, Let, you can get to know these books here. There are books of wisdom, Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Um, And here we have wisdom from God to Job and to Solomon, who wrote the other two books. Um, Proverbs 3 says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. So wisdom is important. It's in we, we have some from the Lord that we can just partake in anytime we want. It's awesome. Prophecy and apocalypse. So, this kind of like um, overlaps a little bit. So, um, prophecy in this context means speaking the words of God. Um, there's a lot of, in these books, thus saith the Lord or declares the Lord. Um, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and John all have visions from the Holy Spirit that they write down like that. You know, and that's one definition of the word apocalypse is a, a, a great revelation or a, or a, a, a massive vision. Um, and it doesn't ju- always just mean the end of the world. In a biblical sense, it means a great revelation. Um, there are books of biography specifically of one person. And that is, that is the person the Bible is about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are about Jesus. Um, we have four biographies of Jesus because he's the most important person that has ever walked the face of the earth. There are letters to the church, or uh, it's called, they're called epistles, epistles. Epistles is not a wife of an apostle. Um, An epistle is a letter. (laughs) Um, These are letters that were written, (laughs) written to the church as it spread into Africa and into Europe and into Asia um, by the apostles, by people who saw Jesus um, and, and they're letters of correction and encouragement and doctrine, theology, um, and, like, this is, these letters um, explain what it means to live the new life that Jesus gives us. So, um, when Jesus says, I still have many things to give you, but you can't bear them now, like, these are the things that Jesus had to give that the apostles couldn't, couldn't bear yet. So, um, it's important that we're aware of the genre, genre that we're reading when we're reading it, because we can misunderstand Scripture um, if, we're not, if we're not aware of, of where the passage came from. Um, we should not read this whole book as wisdom, right? We talked about this in December. It's not all quick tips to making our life incrementally better, right? Um, we also shouldn't read this whole book as a letter of instruction to the church. Um, the books of Old Testament prophecy were actually written to the nation of Israel, the ancient nation of Israel. Um, we like to quote Jeremiah 29, 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. We put it on our graduation cards, right? We put it in our Instagram bios, right? This, like, we, we love this verse so much, right? Because, you know, God has a plan for us, right? Why don't we ever quote Jeremiah 5? I am bringing a distant nation against you, an ancient and enduring nation, a people whose language you don't know, whose speech you don't understand. Their quivers are like an open grave, all of them are mighty warriors. They will devour your harvests and food, devour your sons and daughters. Amen. <laughs> right? It's the same book. It's the same guy. It's Jeremiah, right? <laughs> so we need to take things in context. We need to understand why each verse is in Scripture, right? And the reason why Jeremiah 29, 11 is in Scripture is so that we can see that God had a plan for Israel, right? And praise the Lord, we've been grafted into the family, right? (laughs) And a lot of the promises that God promises the nation of Israel apply to us now, which is really cool, right? We got to read carefully. Just got to read carefully. Now, I do want to be careful because people go the other way real quick. Um, and they'll say the Old Testament was written to Israel, right? And the New Testament was written to first century Jews and Gentiles. I don't think any of this applies to my life. I don't think any of this is for me. And and that's not true at all. This is all one cohesive narrative that can't be destroyed, that can't be cut, right? But you're not going to understand the cohesive message unless you understand who the initial audience was and what the intent that the Holy Spirit had when, when it was divinely inspired. <laughs> all of scripture, even in, co- you know, in context, all of scripture is profitable for teaching and correction and rebuke and training in righteousness. It's all still profitable for all of that. All right. We're gonna learn one more thing. Metaphor and interpretation. Um, When we're prayerfully trying to determine what the correct reading of scripture is, we'll often wander across language that seems more poetic than literal. Um, And once we see some things that are like, okay, the, the the earth has corners and like some really poetic language, like how do we know what's literal and what's not literal? And how do we know what that metaphor is supposed to mean? (laughs) Um, Number one, the Holy Spirit can help us. Like that's the most important thing. Pray for help and approach the scripture with patience and with humility. Right? Know that it might not be immediately apparent. Right? The Pharisees were absolute experts on what the text said, but they were ignorant on what the text meant right? But remember, the Lord has grace for you. The Lord has grace for you. Jesus's disciples didn't understand his parables, right? And often had to ask him later, like, what in the world did you mean about the the seed and the plants and the harvest and that whole thing, right? Right? And the Lord's patient. He's so patient. He's gracious. So ask him, seek, 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 knock and keep on knocking until you find the truth. Um, number three, scripture helps interpret scripture because this is one cohesive message. It's not contradictory. It means one thing, right? So oftentimes, this is great. If you don't understand something in the old Testament, oftentimes Jesus like says what it meant. Like you can just look for, you know, um, and in a lot of Bibles now there are cross references, which is wonderful. There's little tiny letters in there. You could go to the footnotes and it says like, here's three verses that connect with this verse here that's kind of hard to understand. And you can go and you can read and oh, that's what the Lord means by that, right? The reason why it's one cohesive narrative is because scripture has one author and that's the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is the one author that inspired 40 people with pens to write down things. Quills? Chisels? Um, all right. Every metaphor is pointing to a fact. Jesus is not the bread of life just because it's a cool nickname, right? Jesus is the bread of life because it's a fulfillment of God's provision for his people, right? It means something. It's not just there for entertainment. It's not just there so that we know it, right? So, so all of these are dig deeper. It means something. It's not, and praise the Lord, it's not unknowable. We, we can know this. Church history can act as an anchor um, because the Holy Spirit has been helping Christians through the last millennia to understand Scripture, we can look back at church history and say, how, have, how has this verse been interpreted in the past by, by church history? That can be so helpful. Um, and it can anchor us to, to this mere Christianity, to this, um, this doctrine that the church has been holding to. It's one of the reasons that we read the creed. The creed is not something that was invented, you know, recently. <laughs> it was, what was the date on that? 325 A.D., right? 1,700 years ago. Um, And that acts as an anchor to say, you know what? We are going to keep believing these things right here. Hebrews 4 says, "...the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword." Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I believe if we are committed to opening this book up every single day and finding what the Lord would speak to us, it, it is going to radically change not just the way that we live, but the way that we think about things the way that we feel about things, right? And God is gonna transplant um, his heart into our hearts, right? He's gonna give us um, his thoughts <laughs> as, we, as we daily partake in the word of God. Um, abiding in the word of God means we get to uh, we get to live in the spirit of God. And the spirit of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, those are good things. You want those things in your life? It's not just work harder to be a more loving person or work harder to be patient. Abide in the word of God. Abide in the spirit of God. Just stay reading this book every day this year, and I guarantee you, you will have more of that in your life, right? Let's get to it this year. Let's take in more of these words than we ever have before, right? Let's put this in our heart that we don't sin against the Lord. Let's get to know God.